Yeah, we here. go yeah. again. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate and Haircut John. And I got something to say about Brandon. Yeah. So hold on tight for that, because I got a story. Got a story to tell. That's right. John, today... We are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC fight night from North Carolina, mm-hmm. which was headlined by Jarzinho Rosenstreich versus Jelaton Almeida, and a star was born. Maybe yes. a couple of them. Man. Maybe a couple of them. <laughs> Man. Also, we are going to give our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC fight night, which is headlined by Mackenzie Dern versus Angela Hill. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more, including a little talk about quality over quantity Mm -hmm. in the UFC. We'll talk about that. But first, John, how are we doing on episode 133 of the Neon Belly podcast or, John, as some people are calling it, the Craig Jones podcast? Mm. episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. Any idea why people are calling it the Craig Jones episode of the Ooh, Neon Belly Podcast? 133. Maybe that's how much he weighed when he was 12. That's about the only guess I got. John, Craig Jones, also known as 133, is the sampler and keyboardist for the metal band Slipknot. Mm, Brandon's probably going to be mad at me for that. <laughs> that's but right. But he's not here, so. <laughs> that's right. I thought I could trick you up a little bit, but the Craig Jones. Apparently, Slipknot has a keyboardist named Craig Jones, and he goes by the name 133. Apparently, because back in the day, he had like this crazy fast computer, 133 megahertz per second, some stuff like that, Whoa. whatever. But that's what people, you know, we have metal listeners that listen to this podcast. Yeah. What am I supposed to do not? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a, that's a very like ice-breaking nickname. You know what they call me? That's right. 133. That's right. Guess why? And you know, last week you brought to attention, and I'm glad you did because I had it in my notes to mention, skipped over it. It happens. My notes are long. Yeah. It happens. Paragraphs. Um, that's right. Pages. Paragraphs. Pages and pages. But not every week. I can't do it every week. We yeah. can't, you know, the people don't nickname our episodes every week, right? Yeah. So if they don't give us anything to go off of, if people don't have anything for us, I can't do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... I just call it as I see it. It's not going to be an every week thing. It just so happened this week we have some Slipknot fans that said, hey, this is the Craig Jones episode of the Neon Belly podcast. And I'm like, what do you mean? Craig Jones is the best grappler of the world. He weighs way more than 133 pounds. Yeah, that's what I thought. Maybe 12 years old. Yeah, you know, maybe he has 133 wins. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, no, I'm talking about the keyboardist for Slipknot. And I'm like, boy, I know nothing about Slipknot, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can only do the trip over a stick thing so long and people keep laughing. So, you know, we got to just keep people guessing. And like, are they going to do it this week? Are they not? That's right. You never know. It's just what the people say. If the people say it, we relate. Right. I mean, that's our job. That's our job. About Brandon. Yeah. It's Saturday before Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. So for Mother's Day, we go down to a winery in Carmel with my mother. It's my whole family. We're there. Was Calvin there? No, he was not. (sighs) Then they weren't all there, but that's Not everybody. My brother, <laughs> Murph Dirt, you know, you never know. My brother goes to get boxes for our pizza from the winery that we're, as we're leaving, and he comes back and he says, hey, Brandon's here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Brandon? I know a lot of Brandons. I said, Brandon who? BLT. He says, yeah, BLT, right? He said, Brandon that you do the podcast with. I'm like, if you see him, point him out. Where is yeah. he at? Where's yeah. he at? So he points him out, and he's clear across the winery, clear mm-hmm. on the other side of the winery. So I'm like, all right, I'm not going to interrupt my Mother's Day with my mom. This is for Mother's Day. But when we're done, I'm going to see Brandon. Walk over. 
keep in mind, a pitcher of beer in. We'll get to that in a yeah. minute. Yeah. We've had a lot tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get to this, uh, this episode in a minute. Walk over to Brandon. Come up behind. Instant choke hold, right? You mm-hmm. see your jiu-jitsu buddy. You don't just walk up to him. You walk up and you choke him. Did you get it synced in or did he get under? Oh, it was pretty in tight. Ooh. It was in tight. And if anybody knows, Brandon has a nice shaved bald head. Shaved bald on purpose. Yeah. Not by, or by choice. Not because he's balding. So I locked it in. I gave him a good did rub he on top. Up? He tensed up a little yeah. bit. You know what he told me? Mm. You guys are doing the episode tonight, Saturday night. I said, yeah, man. We're taking a chance. We're, we're just going to do we're it. We're going to do it. We got Mother's Day tomorrow. We can't, you know. You know what he told me? I'll be there. Yeah. I said, what? He said, I'll be there. I said, dude, we're doing it at 10 p.m. He said, I'm there. Yeah. Possibly could have done it at 9, but we're like, you know what? Let's. 20 minutes later, I get home from the winery. You know Mm -hmm. what Brandon texts me? Can't make it, man. No Brandon. So I got something for Brandon, but he knows he's on thin ice. I told him. Yeah. He's on thin ice. He's got to get back. Because, I mean, I was at home excited. (laughs) I know. I called John. I'm like, dude, Brandon's coming. I was like, I get to, I have to make room. I get to, you know, get some time, give him a little crap or whatever. But Uh, absolutely. To be continued. Absolutely. To be continued. I told him he's on thin ice. Yeah. Uh, But no, we see Brandon weekly. We talk to him weekly. Brandon's just dealing with some things, nothing crazy, just, you know, life happens, man. And yeah. Brandon is going to be back, we promise. Uh, it was going to be tonight, but... Yeah, life comes at you fast when you're a pitcher of beer in, you know? That's just, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm hurting tonight. <laughs> this is a struggle. Uh, so, yeah, so get to the winery. I had two pints before I even went. Mm. Get there, order a pitcher of beer. So you had the car warmed up. Give me the Stone Cold Steve Austin, the what? What? I get there. What? Pitcher of beer. What? Think somebody's going to uh, drink it with me. What? Nobody drinks it with me. What? My sister maybe has half the cup. What? I drink the whole thing. Woo! Here we are. <laughs> here here we are. <laughs> Down bad, but we're going to make it happen. But with Mother's Day uh, being this weekend, we wanted to make sure we got an episode out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will have, because we have a lot of special women in our lives to yeah. celebrate, you know, um, and this was the only way that we could ensure that we could celebrate those women, have Mother's Day plans still. Um, so bear with us, man. These fights literally, I literally, as John just walked into my home, was finishing up the main event. Mm-hmm. Um, so these fights kind of just happened for me personally, yeah. at least the main and co-main. I watched everything before that, before I left. Not much time to process, not much time to rewatch. Um, also, this could be a shorter episode. I don't know with it being the holiday weekend. Well, we'll we just see. Had a 10 minutes with the Brandon story. Well, so maybe it's, yeah, maybe yeah. we're on track for our normal hour. <laughs> um, but bear with us. Like mm-hmm. I said, wanted to get an episode out. These are instant, really fresh reactions. Like I said, I don't even know if there's been post fight stuff. I haven't looked. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't yeah, have I was, time. I was finishing up my new stuff sure. and it was all happening. So, so if anything's happened since post fight, whatever, bear with us. Sorry for misreporting, whatever. But with that, we're still going to talk about the fights because we still watch. Mm-hmm. But before we get to UFC Fight Night Charlotte, John, let the people know, rate, sub, follow. All right, guys. As we all, I always always tell you guys when we get on here, uh, we, we would love to have some support and help from you guys. Uh, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can actually leave us a review. pushes us up in algorithms. Um, you can get us at us on social media, on IG, Neon Belly Podcast on uh, TikTok Neon Belly Podcast and on YouTube Neon Belly Podcast, Twitter Neon Belly Pod, but we're on all of those. Uh, if you see, we're, we're, fight, we're tweeting during fights. We put up reels on our YouTube. We put stuff on TikTok, on IG. It's everywhere. We're out here. 
So right. the more you guys can come and support us, the more we can do and it makes it better for us. So come through and show us some love. That's right, John. This past Saturday, UFC fight night from Charlotte. Got a line. North Carolina. <laughs> North Carolina. There it is. I don't know why it kind of, the first time you hit it, it kind of cuts out. North Carolina. In our main event, Gelatin Almeida defeats Jairzinho Rosenstreich via first round submission. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, dude, at this point, how do you stop this guy? Literally took Rosenstreich down from his knees. Like, yeah, knee wrestled him <laughs> yeah. and lassoed his legs. Dude, that's how like me and my brother, like that's how my brother used to make me wrestle. When we would like wrestle in my dad in the side room of my dad's house, he was like, "You have to be on your knees." You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Got to make it fair. <laughs> took him down from his knees with ease. Yes, it rhymes. And once it hit the ground, I mean, Rosenstreich really stood no chance at that point, right? Uh, Almeida transitioned so easily, like butter to the back, and that was it. Um, and John, I think this guy um, has no ceiling. It was a uh, rear naked choke, for the mm-hmm. record. I didn't add that, obviously. Fresh Add it to the, the list notes. for him. Add it to the list, absolutely. But this guy, to me, there's no ceiling. But your thoughts, opinions on this fight. Man, for what little we got of yeah. it. I think it was three minutes. You know, um, as I was watching it, I remembered his last fight. I remember telling Damien in our group chat, I was like, watch this. Jab, teep, kick, double yeah. leg. He's done it the past like three, four fights. It never fails, and he always lands it. Um, Rosenstruck didn't give him the chance for that. He came right, right at him, uh, stuffed a quick one, but it's inevitable. Yeah. Because here's the thing, and I said this on Twitter, what's going to happen is somebody's going to keep their hands down during that teep to stop the takedown, and they're going to eat it and get knocked yeah. out. Like he's creating this thing now to where he's so good at getting to the legs that people are going to keep their hands down to stop that. And then they're, he's going to start knocking people out. Yeah. Imagine, in a, imagine if I said, get on your knees, put your hands around Rosenstreich's legs and let him like, don't let him like break your hands. Yeah. Like that's how impressively strong this guy is. Yeah. He's outweighed by almost 30 pounds. Yeah. I think Rosenstreich. I have in my notes, he weighed in at the 265-pound limit. Yeah. And and I think Almeida came in at 231. Yeah, and it's that, that old kind of prototype that Kane yeah. and Junior and Stipe were doing. Yeah. And then guys kind of bulked back up for these strong guys at the top. But, man, yeah. I, I'm with you. I don't I don't know. Somebody's going to have to stop the double leg, but the problem is, is he's so good on the ground that it, it doesn't matter where he gets it or how he gets it. Once you're there, I don't think there's a heavyweight that can deal with his level of jiu-jitsu. It's going to be tough, man. You know, and I was weary about his future at heavyweight. You know, I've been, as we've kind of come along mm-hmm. with Almeida, and and again, you know, I said last week, if you're a hardcore, you know about Gelatin Almeida. A lot of people probably just learned about him tonight. So if you're one of those people, welcome to the show. And just know, this guy also fights at light heavyweight. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I've always kind of been outspoken and said that I think his future should be at light heavyweight. Because, you know... He does come in closer to that 220, 225 pound limit, whatever it is for heavyweight. Um, but I think this is 100% the right weight division for him now. Yeah. Um, it's the I, easiest road, man. 100%. I mean, I don't know. I still think there's a good path for him at light heavyweight, and I think that's kind of more where I was coming from. As we mentioned, Biggie Boy winging in it, though, at the 265 pound limit, no problem here for Chelsea Almeida with that, with the size. He made it look easy. Um, and I think he can do that to a lot of guys, even in the top five, like mm-hmm. right now. You know what I mean? And 
and and I think he could do it at light heavyweight as well. But I think seeing it against a guy here like in Biggie Boy, who when you kind of start looking up the ladder a little bit, there's a lot of strikers, right? Like not guys, maybe maybe guys more well rounded than Biggie Boy for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but man, passing a big test here early with he, uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike. He's gonna run into a lot of these same ideas. If you yeah. can hit him before he gets you down. Any heavyweight can knock out any heavyweight. Sure. I 100% believe that, especially now that he's going to be looking at a top 10. He called out Tai Tuivasa, you know, some of these other guys yeah. that could be matchups. So all these fights are going to be, well, can they get to him before he gets to him? Problem is, this guy can shoot from 100 miles away and get to you. Yeah, man. man. He's so quick, and, you know, I don't think that he has, like, uh, and he's not like a, a jiu-jitsu guy who does the fancy stuff and pulls these off. Right. Textbook. Yeah. You know, he's in half guard, starts working that leg out, yeah. you know, just lets guys give up their neck. and then Well, he, he has the ability to get the fight down. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's kind of, like, one thing that we're seeing is, you know, you get these kind of, like, Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist, so to speak, but, like, they don't really have the chops to get the fight down. And and here, like, you know, you kind of just mentioned with Almeida, and, and I said it last week, this guy is one of the few people that can shoot halfway across the cage, mm-hmm. and he's still successful. Now, can he do it now as he's going to enter some, you know, more top five, top ten for sure opposition? That remains to be seen. But the ability to do that, and, and it's not like, you know, he's just getting lucky. I mean, even against a guy like Jarzinho Rosenstroik, Rosenstroik has displayed some pretty good takedown defense at times mm-hmm. in the octagon. Um, but you kind of mentioned that. Were you going to say something? No, I was going to say, well, I was going to say, you could tell that he, they tried to work these positions. Yeah. He was not trying to give up his back for nothing. Yeah. He tried everything he could. Sure. Problem is, is when a guy like that is on top of you, putting that pressure yeah. and hitting you, you're going to go turtle. I just can't get over the fact that he literally took down a 265 pound man from his knees. Yeah. I mean, taking away half of his body is. That wasn't even a trip. Yeah, most of it was like upper body. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not much legs involved there, obviously. Sky's the limit for Almeida. I think it's safe to say everybody's, at least from the limited, you know, post-fight stuff that I've seen, which is literally like two seconds trying to get through some stuff. Um, Sergey Spivak, Mm -hmm. Alexander Volkov, Tai Mm -hmm. Tuivasa, all viable opponents, all guys ranked above him now who do not have matchups that I know of or I'm aware of, at least, that have been made public. Um, any of those interest you above the other? I know he specifically seemed like said Taitu Ivasa there in his post fight, but any of those interest you above the other? Man, they they all have for different reasons. I think Spivak is the best grappler that he could come to. Sure. Between those, I mean, they said the guy has took four strikes in five fights, it's crazy. like Hamzat numbers. Yeah. Um, and at, Spivak might be the guy that can maybe stop some of that wrestling sure. or give him something there. Uh, Volkov being so tall, man, I just don't think he could stop him from the legs. Yeah. To Avasa, he ha- he has the same thing that Jarzino had is where it's like, all right, if you can hit him, then maybe that's there. But if you can't, yeah. No, only Spivak's the guy who I think ha- has any type of chops to handle that. And that's the tough thing, man. He And that's what I was meaning is like now I think I'm kind of seeing, and even like to be honest, like even seeing him against Biggie Boy who did come in at that 265-pound limit, he still looked bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is kind of like this new hybrid as you were kind of getting out there of, of heavyweights. But man, I, he that's why I said I think now I'm seeing like where it's like, oh, he's just a nightmare for everybody. You know, maybe yeah. even clear up to John Jones, man, which is crazy. Yeah. As a John Jones man excuse me to even say that 
But because he still has a long way to go, you know, there's still like guys like Tom Aspinall that would be interesting because he's another like super athletic, you know, smaller, like I said, again, kind of like these hybrid heavyweights where it's like, man, seeing those two match up would be interesting. Yeah. And Aspinall is a high level grappler himself. He's the most interesting yeah. one to me because I feel like he could do the same thing to Surreal Gone that John Jones did sure. easily. And he's already matched up. We'll get to in the news. Aspinall does have a fight. Right. So we know he's off the books. That's why we didn't say his name. Like I said, we'll get to that in the uh, news. But yeah, man, it, it's just even I think that's the fight you're waiting for. Like it if is you're, if you're looking at Almeida and what yeah. could happen at the heavyweight, and it may be a thing where you know Aspinall wins this fight that we'll talk about in the news. Maybe Almeida wins against Spivak, Tuivasa, Volkov, somebody like that. It might be a crash course collision mm-hmm. for those two to get to John Jones after um, what we think is going to be Steve Miocic if that yeah. happens. But nonetheless, big win for Gelatin Almeida and his uh, UFC. Not just his UFC main event, first UFC main event, but as you said last week, his first ever main card fight is a main event. And that's just crazy, man. Even that, like, I feel like we're not even getting into that is like the pressure of, again, if we talked about last week of having your name on the poster, a whole event that's kind of built around you, you know, he was on the early prelims against Shamil before this fight. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. And now he's the top 10 heavyweight. He's different. He's something different. Keep it moving into our co-main event. Johnny Walker defeats Anthony Smith via unanimous decision. What, you know, I actually, funny enough, I talked to Brandon at the winery about these fights, uh, and he said it best, so I'm just going to kind of echo what he said, but just a very mature and patient performance here by Johnny Walker. Mm -hmm. Um, This is me speaking now, but I thought this was a performance that showed me Johnny Walker wants to fight for a world title. Mm -hmm. Um, Not many guys can outlast Anthony Smith like that. You know, I said last week, you know, what was it? Glover, Teixeira, Alexander Rakic, you know, these are the guys that we've seen outdo Anthony Smith over a course of, you know, several rounds. Um, I thought Johnny Walker utilized all of his greatest assets, Mm -hmm. uh, but without putting himself in danger as he's done in the past right still looked good clean performance fairly dominant i i kind of gave smith that first round it was a close it could be i think two judges gave him 30 27 one gave him 29 28 um i don't know the round that they gave in there again this is like this is fresh i just watched this fight not even 30 minutes ago so um i felt like maybe smith in that first round but again it was close if you told me 30 27 i i wouldn't question Mm -hmm. it at all um but I think he's a problem at 205 pounds if this is kind of that new evolution of Johnny Walker where we are going to see him more calculated and patient. And again, a guy that I just genuinely think wants to fight for a world championship. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I talked about it in my breakdown or the the introduction for this fight, but he had the most potential coming in. Yeah. And people thought he was just going to be this really crazy guy that's just going to be so hard for people to figure out until they did. Right. And then he marries this Irish girl, <laughs> moves over there, finds a gym, um, yeah. finds a, a great head coach. And yeah, straight blast gym there. He's training with Conor McGregor, I think John Cavanaugh mm-hmm. and all those guys. So, yeah. And he's just completely changed his style. Yeah. Um, patience was the word for this fight, and but yeah. but calculated because he said that, you know, he felt like in the Tiago Santos fight that sure. he was too patient. Yeah. And there's been times where he's been too aggressive. And I, maybe look at the Jamal Hill fight where, you know, walk yeah. into danger. And in this one... The guy kicked him in the leg 50 times. Yeah. Um, I don't know how Anthony Smith was still walking. So, He's he tough, was, man. He not... was doubling up yeah. calf kicks. Like, and I tweeted this, like the most, the most I've seen of growth. Cause this is what I think 
Johnny Walker got the first round because he wobbled him twice, yeah. I feel like. And I think the second yeah. round was closer. Because what I tweeted was the growth from Johnny Walker was to hurt Anthony Smith. And instead of falling in the fire, he kicked him in the calf like three times in a yeah. row. And and that's the type of stuff that wins you fights later. Well, it's, it's using that athleticism, yeah. but using it and putting technique behind it as before where we saw him like flailing and jumping and doing yeah. cartwheels and front flips. Burning and, out all his cardio. Yeah, getting tired. Yeah, I mean, dude, what? that? Yeah, I didn't even bring that up. I mean, he just went three rounds i think i saw somebody may have been luke thomas i can't remember off top but putting out there this is his first ufc win outside of the first round he never won a ufc fight that didn't outside the first round which is why i picked anthony smith durability cardio you know all these reasons and here we just saw johnny walker put all that together which again shows me he wants a world title um i didn't hear him call anyone out specifically and you can correct me if i'm wrong on that again had to kind of watch through him when i got home um but i think johnny walker could easily find himself one big fight away from a title shot Jan Blachowicz, Magomed Ankalaev are both uh, without opponents right now. And I think Walker is now worthy of one of those men having won three straight fights. Um, mm-hmm. Three impressive performances. And as you cr- and said, and credit to that move to John Cavanaugh and Straight Blast. Because I do think every time he's in there, we have seen him get a little bit more mature, a little bit more patient. Um, but do you agree? And is there anyone that you'd prefer him, you know, maybe over the other between maybe a Blachowicz or Ankalaev? I think Ankalaev makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah. It, well, I also, I don't, I don't know, know if you've seen... After the fight, he jumped over the cage and went over and talked to Jamal Hill. Sure. And a lot of respect. He was just like, you know, I'm, I'm on my way back to yeah. you, you know. Um, and that knocked out, holy cow. Yeah. When Jamal Hill uh, knocked out um, Johnny Walker. That was his crazy. His whole face just fuddled up. Yeah, that um, was crazy. But, you know, I think both of those are great fights. Um, the only other thing I could think, and I don't know if they'd fight just because they're countrymen, but... Alex Pajeda doesn't have an opponent yet at 205. Well, and he wants to get to the title, and Dan already said he has to fight some of those guys, quote-unquote. I kind of, yeah, but I kind of feel like Pajeda's going to fight Blachowicz. Yeah, I can see that. Dana did say, I think it was last week or the week before, I think it was at 288, the pay-per-view we just had, I did hear him say that they have a plan for Pajeda. They know mm-hmm. who, essentially they know who Pajeda is fighting next. I have a feeling it's going to be Jan Blahovich. I don't makes know. sense. I could be wrong. Because, I mean, although Blahovich does have grappling, Ankalaev is a different level sure. of that. Well, and, right. You know, you want to kind of want to preserve some of these matchups. And yeah. that's just part of it is good matchmaking. And I think that's part of it. And I think, yes. And we I think we did kind of talk about this, but I do feel like Blahovich lines up more with how they've booked Pereira as mm-hmm. of late. It's stand-up fights that can get him to the title as quick as possible. And to me, Blahovich lines up with that at 205 pounds the same way we saw guys at 185, you know, or Pereira's rise at 185. Mm-hmm. Guys that, that are willing to stand and trade with him. Like you said, Blachowicz does have that ability to take guys down, and, and he could take him down, but... If he's smart. He definitely uses the same thing he did with Izzy. Right. You, know, you don't but play man, around. He, even Magomed, dude, like, he's a guy that, like, has the ability to take people down, but we don't see him do it a whole lot. Yeah. So, but to me, I feel like Johnny, you know, there was that whole, you know, between... But, uh, between Blahovich and Magomed, there was that whole weird fight where it was a draw. But really, I think everybody, even Blahovich, felt like Magomed did win that fight. Um, so I think I think that fight to me makes a ton of sense. But it will be interesting to see how they book him. Yeah, and we haven't heard nothing from Magomed after that fight. Yeah. He was like low key wanted to get released. Like he he was very very upset. So if he's gonna want a matchup that's gonna get him you know, where he was hoping to get with that, what he thought was a win. Right. I agree. Absolutely. John, our next fight is the Shadow Gary. 
defeats Daniel Rodriguez via first round TKO. And I gave him the Leon treatment there because what a performance mm -hmm. here by IMG. Doing something we have never seen done before to D-Rod. He becomes just the second human being to ever finish Daniel Rodriguez in a mixed martial arts fight. First to do it by TKO. Mm -hmm. He is now 12-0. He will be in the top 15 after this week. And I saw an interview where he called this finish to a T. He said he would finish with a right high kick. Um... In my opinion, the best showing that we've seen from Ian Machado Gary in the UFC. And it doesn't suck that uh, it was against his toughest opposition to date as well. Are we seeing, John, the future of the welterweight division here with Ian Machado Gary? Man, I'm going to name out some names that didn't knock out Daniel Rodriguez. Mike Perry, yeah. Kevin Lee, The Leech, Neil Magny. Obviously, he got the sub. But, like, these are people who crack Tim Means and... You know, for Ian Gary to do it, and then in a way that it was his cleanest performance yet. You know, we've seen him get hurt and get hit, and maybe you know not have it all together. He put everything together here, um, set things up, and just like you said, set it up in a way he said he would. Yeah. And um, and then afterwards, like the mic skills are there. Like, yeah, it's a star. You know. Yeah. No, he. You know, in that interview, he said, you know, basically that his fight IQ was just essentially on another level, and that he was like, and then he was just like, you know, I'm gonna tell you exactly how I'm going to do it. And uh, he said it's going to be the right head kick. So he knew something there with D-Rod. It was always going to land. The right head kick lands flush, you know, kind of wobbles D-Rod to where he falls to his back and he finishes. Just insane, man. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't I don't even want to give him the pressure of, like, the Conor McGregor stuff, but that's the kind of, like, it doesn't suck that he's Irish as well. Yeah. Um, because that whole, like, Mystic Mac thing and just being able to kind of call your shot or and whatever. He has a lot of that. Even his fight style. Yeah. His, like I said, his mic skills are there. Absolutely. He has the charisma. Like Yeah. Called out Neil Magny. Um, but Nag Magny is um, scheduled to face... Phil Rowe on June 24th. Mm -hmm. um, I guess theoretically he could face the winner. You know, June 24th isn't too far away. He could take some time off. But looking at the rankings, a fight that also makes sense and a guy who doesn't have an opponent is Michael Chiesa. That's what I was just about to say. I think that fight's a great fight for him as well. Mm -hmm. It would be a good matchup. I'm interested to see it. Um, but also I could sit here and say I don't hate Phil Rowe versus Neil Magny. Or uh, Phil, the winner of Phil Rowe and Neil mm -hmm. Magny as well. I think that could be an excellent fight as well. Because I do think if Phil Rowe is another guy who, if he beats Neil Magny, probably going to be ranked in the top 15 just like Ian Machado Gary. Yeah, and there's some there's some fights moving up that I just would love to see Ian Gary get up to. When you talk about like a Jeff Neal, Wonder Boy. Yeah. Wonder Boy, that would be like a weird like back in the day like mirror match almost. Yeah. One interesting I one interesting thing I did here is that um, Ian wants to go train at City Kickboxing. He mm. wants to kind of he basically said he wants to be a nomad and train with a lot of different places to take stuff. But that camp with him. And his skill set already is like a match made in heaven. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see how he looks after something like that. Absolutely. Our next fight, John. Are Just you ready to keep going, it going? Man. Carlos Olberg defeats Ihor Poteria via first round knockout. I mean... Leon, keep the vocals warmed up, brother, because you're not done tonight. Mm -hmm. Beautiful check left hook looped over the top for Olberg. Drops Poteria. Didn't even need the ref to stop the fight. He decided himself he had seen enough. He, he like, knocked him out three times. <laughs> yeah. like he kept waking up. Uh, that's now four straight wins for Olberg, all by knockout. The last three straight in the first round. 
uh, and the light heavyweight division needs to look out because this guy's for real, and they're all on notice, oh, in my man. opinion. Yeah, obviously, he's he's still a little unranked. ways away, but, man, yeah, there's unranked. so many good matchups up there. Unranked. I told you, this guy looks like a welterweight that's, like, utilizing heavyweight robot legs or something. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, and in this version of him compared to the version that lost to Kennedy, it's just a whole different level of confidence yeah. and execution, man. I... I, I I know you uh, drafted him on your team. It's going to be a good pick, I feel like, because especially if he's not facing ranked guys yet, I don't know that there's very many unranked 205ers that are going to be able to deal with his level of striking. No, I agree 100%. I'm, I, I mean, he was actually my last-round pick, so good value there, getting us on the board <laughs> early. But, uh, yeah, man, I I think sky's the limit for this guy. Somebody he trains with, and, again, it's I can't remember because obviously this fight happened hours ago, but somebody that he trains with, can't remember if it was somebody from City Kickboxing or not, but basically it was just like guaranteeing, like bang on that he was going to win this mm-hmm. fight. They're like, you guys have no idea how good this guy is and how hard he works. Well, and Izzy stuff like talks that. about him a lot. Maybe it was Izzy. I feel like it was somebody pretty big. Cause I'm like, oh, that's a pretty big cosign, whoever it was, but I don't remember who tweeted what, it. What Izzy said in, um, because he broke down the, the last car with Kennedy on, and he said, I know who I know what Blackjack does to guys in the gym. Yeah, when he touches them. They don't. Maybe that's what it was. Then. Yeah, Maybe that's he what said they don't. They don't get back up. Uh, so the fact that he was able to get through there and get his own knockout, he scary knew power, he was man. special. Had, I mean, the check left. It was just like a little loop over the top, yeah. you know, and just like go oh, flush. I mean, you almost didn't even see it watching it live. You had to watch it back. It was crazy. And I, and I can't imagine the amount of confidence that comes from training with the level of people he's yeah. training with. And you know, if I can, if you're doing good there, these guys shouldn't be nothing. And it's been showing these last three, four fights. No, man, I agree. I I like Carlos Olberg. Keep your eyes out. Mm-hmm. And also, John, Alex Moreno <laughs> defeats Tim Means via second round submission. Great scrappy fight for as long as it lasted. Both guys having success on the feet. Some fun exchanges in there. Uh, but Morono just kind of catches that front headlock, gets to the neck, sits back to the guard, finish. finishes the high, uh, or well, the arm in guillotine, I mean. Um, good win for him. Off a spinning back fist. Yeah, crazy. Spinning back fist to catch the head, get down, and adjust. Um, in a fight that, you know, he was. it looked like he was having a little bit of trouble starting. Tim Memes was doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, but it's just... It's just that grittiness, man. Um, and we always talk about him like being a coach himself and just having really high fight IQ. And the fact that he was able to pull that off in the way he did, man, he's just a dog. No, I can't agree more. Another guy that's a dog. Keep it going. <laughs> Matt Brown defeating Court McGee via first round knockout. Oh, sorry. He gets a double because that's a knockout of the year contender, man. I'll hit every button on this soundboard yeah. for Matt Brown right now. Massive right hand. And more for real lands flush for matt brown um and the sound of that shot sounded more like a home run in the mlb than a punch honestly landed ties Derek lewis for the record for knockouts in ufc history with 13 and even at 43 years old i think we'll definitely be seeing matt brown again in the ufc Mm -hmm. this guy's going nowhere yeah, and it's crazy because you look at it and it's like, you know, him or Court McGee really didn't look necessarily fast. They looked a little bit older in there, but that's what I said. I don't know if there's another 42-year-old at welterweight that's dealing with... 43. Just yeah, 43. Give him his year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt Brown, um, just a dog as ever, man. And it's the fact that he's still here and tying up a record like that is crazy. Oh, dude, just a, an absolute monster. Um, he... He wants that knockout record, no doubt. Sorry, I just hit the button So much there. that you had to hit it yeah, again. Yeah, I had to hit it again. He wants that knockout record. And you know what? Sticking with the baseball theme, 
I told you, I, I think we tweeted it out as mm-hmm. well, Matt Brown versus Derek Lewis, both chasing the knockout <laughs> record, could be the best race since Sammy Sosa versus Mark McGuire in 98. Oh, dude, can you imagine, like, the? I just hope this turns into a thing where every fight from now on, they both, like, get a knockout and, like, that call off the other one. That's one for yeah. me, Matt. You better catch up. And then Matt gets one. All right, Black Beast, you better catch up. I just hit my another one. Like, it's, it's it creates a really fun parody. Because both guys, like, who knows how much longer, right? I mean, right. we don't know. You know, it could be. And the guys that they're probably going to get matched up with probably could be cannon fodder to an extent, depending on who it is. Dude, 100%. No, I agree 100%. And it's just going to be fun. Like, if I'm the UFC, I'm looking at this like, hey, let's just like match these guys up and put them on the same card for the next two years. You don't even have to be like, gimme fights. Let's just match them up against guys that are going to go and bang with them. Right. Like, let's just have some fun. You said it perfectly. I don't know if you said it here. I was getting my uh, MacBook charger. We almost died there. So well, the episode almost ended early. The clutch, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you, I, but one thing you had said is, you know, in this kind of like almost like pseudo like uh legends division that we mm-hmm. almost have like who's beating matt brown that's like a ufc lab i mean this guy like just keep putting him in, in there against other guys yeah, on anybody this level. i mean anybody at welterweight says they're about to retire give him matt brown he'll get dude, him out of there man and, and you know i i hate seeing that also you know it is tough because court mcgee's a legend in his mm-hmm. own right you know you hate to see a guy like that go down but dude what a shot and, and i mean to not follow it up and walk yeah. off because he could see that and i mean <sighs> court mcgee didn't try to like rush up or nothing like that he he knew his clock <sighs> was clean Dude, what a shot. That's all we got from UFC Fight Night Charlotte. Um, any other things that stood out to you before we get to scores uh, that you want to mention? Two things. Brian Battle, 14-second knockout, dude. Missed weight, man. It was a bit of a stain. I feel bad because, you know, my buddy Dorman texted me. He was like, you know, I need to go with an underdog here. Do I go with Brian Battle? or some? He sent he sent me somebody else. I don't remember. And I'm like, oh, dude, stay off of Battle. He missed weight. <laughs> you know, which, which I told him. Even still, I stand behind because you never know when guys miss weight. Like, right, because a lot of times mm-hmm. it's either injury-related, which is always a, like, or big, tough cut. Tough cut, mental. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many different things. Some guys just genuinely, things happen. And maybe that's what it was here with battle. But, dude, what a performance. Dude, just back 14 pedals. seconds, wasn't it? Yeah, back pedals, just slips a bunch of punches. They hit the cage. And ate a pretty big shot yeah. there. Gabe Green is, like, no joke. And they both threw. Yeah. And he was the last one to hit. And, like, <laughs> so he's just crazy. so emotional. <laughs> yeah. Um. That there was that weird decision with Cody Stamen, who's he's gonna be he's gonna appeal it, it. Yeah, yeah. With, against uh Douglas Silva D'Andrage. Yeah, so and it was a bad call. There was like uh, there was a foul by um I think D'Andrage up kicked Stamen or something, neat opponent, something I don't remember, they but didn't took him back to the position. They re they stood him back up and Andrage ended up winning that round. I think it was the first round on every judge's mm. scorecard. So they they uh he is gonna appeal it. I have to believe he's probably going to win that appeal yeah. as well. We'll see. That remains to be seen. And then the fight before that, that I don't know if you've seen that point that got that taken away so from that Kim for Kim kicking that girl Bra- off. Bomb, yeah, yeah. That was so weird. That whole situation seemed really weird to me. Which is funny because I didn't start watching until the Brown Court McGee. So when okay. they did that, it was like, all right, we finally got this card going. I was like, yeah, the rest of this card outside the Brian battle must have been a little sketchy. But the other thing I want to have a complaint about is UFC Twitter. Because yeah. you know how when we do stuff, you end it with the hashtag for the event, UFC sure. Charlotte. 
for some reason, all these people started spelling Charlotte wrong, so the trending hashtag was spelled <laughs> wrong. So when I went to type it in, I was just trying to put C-H-A so right. I could finish it out. People were spelling it C-H-A-R-O-L-O-T-T-E, and that's including <laughs> fighters. Like That might be including me. I don't know if oh, I could. Dude, I, had to, <laughs> I did it one time, and I was like, no, 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 there's no way that's right. So I, I clicked it. I went to Google, yeah. typed it in. Dude, if you included me in on that, I don't even know like off top if I could spell Right, Charlotte. so I basically had to do it. I spelled it right, and then when that's I would hilarious. click it, it would take me to ESPN. I was like, there's no way ESPN is making this mistake cool. But they were MMA Twitter, do better, man. No, dude. You just made it so hard for that's me. That's hilarious. That's funny. Good catch by you. I would have never known Because then <laughs> we wouldn't have got no you know, activity from it because it's spelled wrong when people were looking for it if yeah. they knew how to spell, I guess. Absolutely. Well, that's all from UFC Charlotte. Great card. Fun card to watch. Mm-hmm. Easy watch, obviously. I think Smith and Walker were the only main card fight to go to a decision. Uh, let's update on the scores, John. In first place, of course, it's me. 45 points and extending my lead. Two points for Almeida. One point for Ian Machado. Gary, John, you are in second place. This is a two-man battle almost. Mm -hmm. Second place with 32 uh, you get one point for Almeida and one point for Ian Machado Gary. And then Brandon with 31 right behind you. He got two points. He called Almeida by submission. I don't think he got the round yeah, correct. He said second round. Yep. And then he uh, also picked Johnny Walker. He was the lone guy to pick Johnny Walker. He had him by second round TKO, though. So he only gets one point there for picking Walker. So you and Brandon close for second. Just funny because he was telling us at jujitsu, I don't even want to make picks anymore, yeah. man. Second it's like, I don't know if you're you're listening, but it's close. I told him. I tried to let him know. I'm like, hey, man, it's not as close as you think. Or it's not as, you're not as far off. He's like, yeah, but it's just for second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Brandon's a win or nothing, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, man, you got some work to do. Hey, but you know what? It's still a long year. We still got a lot of time. Yeah, we were talking. There's some big pay-per-view cards. I could always go into a slump, man. You never. Yeah, I mean, geez, holy cow. How are we going to do UFC 290? I mean, that could yeah. be like. That'd be, that might have to be a double kickback. Yeah, I mean, you know, there could be like 36 points on the board for UFC 290. Yeah. Who even knows? But this Saturday, we got points up for grabs, John. Mm-hmm. May 20th, live from the UFC Apex main card start time of 7 p.m. Um, and this card was originally set to be uh, headline and main evented by Irene Aldana versus Raquel Pennington. However, Aldana will now face Amanda Nunes at UFC 289 and Raquel Pennington will serve as the backup for that fight. Uh, so the UFC moved this fight, which was supposed to take place last week at UFC Charlotte. So with that, our main event in the women's strawweight division, number eight, Mackenzie Durham versus number 14 Angela Hill. Mackenzie Dern is coming in off her main event loss to Yan Xiaonan. Last October, Dern lost the fight by majority decision, dropping her to just one win in her last three fights. Mm-hmm. Having won four straight prior to that, though, her opponent, Angela Hill, comes in having won her last two fights. She's on her first multiple fight win streak since 2020. She defeated Emily Ducote by unanimous decision uh, last time out and handed her the former Invicta strawweight champ her first UFC loss. These ladies have three main events between them coming into this, and neither of them have won. Uh, two for Dern, one for Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Saturday, someone's O has to go. So the question is, <laughs> will it be Dern or will it be uh, Hill who gets their first UFC main event? John, take it away. All righty, man. I, I feel like it's tough because 
you know, Hill's kind of had the opposite thing where she lost three in a row and now she's worked on two, whereas Dern's kind of had a little bit of a fall off. Hold on a sec, John. Before you get to your pick, let me play your theme music. Some right. Kenzie Dern here. Come on, yeah, let's talk yeah. About now it. get to your pick. Um, <laughs> I, I just feel like they have, they have a couple similar opponents. Uh, Tisa Torres being one of them. Yeah. Um, one lost. Uh, Hill lost to Torres, whereas uh, Dern was able to pull off the win there. But I just feel like you know when you look at the two losses, when you're talking about Yan Shanown and you're talking about uh, Marina Rodriguez, sure, those are two very high level girls. Um, and I just think there's a. a I feel like Dern has an X factor here, and we talk about this a lot. Sometimes it goes for the best, sometimes it don't. Sure, Cron Gracie. Yeah, but I just think that Dern, you know, she has been making strides on other things, but I do think if she can get a hold of Angela Hill, it's a long night regardless. So yeah. I'm going to take Mackenzie Dern. I will say second round sub. Alrighty, I am going overkill Hill here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Dern is a nightmare for anyone on the ground, but my concern with Mackenzie Dern is we just haven't seen the ability to consistently or efficiently get the fight to the ground. Um, she has a takedown accuracy of just 11%. Mm-hmm. And for those keeping score at home, Angie Hill has a takedown defense of 77%. So you can do the math there. Um, and obviously, we haven't seen the striking develop enough either from Dern to complement the takedown downs as well um and hill is a phenomenal tie boxer she utilizes the clinch very well with knees and elbows um but i think she also has the ability to stay long and just kind of jab at Dern to keep her on the outside and disrupt that timing of her trying to come in and get that takedown um Dern is a it is incredibly tough and durable though i will give her that um so we'll see where hill kind of holds up over five mm-hmm. rounds with a girl like Mackenzie Dern who very fresh off of a five round fight and was still there in the fifth round trying to come forward come forward and win the fight um Hill will also need to try to keep her back off the cage because that's where Dern will essentially kind of sell out. And even if she has to eat a couple shots, um, she'll go for that takedown. Mm-hmm. That, that year, if your back's on the cage, she's coming forward. For her to pull, too. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, that at this point, though, for Dern, it's funny you say that um, because at this point, to still see Mackenzie Dern kind of go two-on-one and sit to guard to try to drag her opponent down or grabbing her opponent kind of around the neck and almost going for that, like, sibling takedown that you used to do with mm-hmm. your brother try to you know from around the back of the neck and kind of pull him to the ground it just doesn't work in the UFC man mm-hmm. and, and you know that that's kind of what she was almost doing even against Shao Now and it's like you just can't do that anymore there's these not even just in women's mixed martial arts but just in mixed martial arts in general is everybody's so high level um and we just haven't I mean we just haven't seen Dern like I said effectively or efficiently take people down consistently um and maybe coming off of UFC 288, as you kind of mentioned, I may have my cron blockers on a little bit, <laughs> which makes me a little nervous to go with another jujitsu specialist like I did there. Um, but I do like Angie Hill here, um, and I like her by unanimous decision. Like I said, I mm-hmm. think Dern is incredibly durable. She's so tough, man. She's somebody that, like, even, I think, when she knows she's just not the better fighter, she's never going to stop trying no. to win the fight. And, and, I, and I love that about Mackenzie Dern. Um, and, and I do think Mackenzie Dern, she wants to win. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, 
there is some like personal things in her life that we've kind of seen play out. I'm not even going to go into that here on right. you know, our podcast. If you want to look into it, you can, but you know, she's had some personal changes in her life and things as well that make me a little nervous where you're like, man, I just don't really know. I think she has a really good coach though. She does have a good coach. I don't even know if she's with Perillo anymore. Oh, right. I mean, I, 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 she may be, but like I, she mm-hmm. just hasn't really posted that side of her life, right. you know, to really know if you're not in the know mm-hmm. of where she's training. So I'm not even so sure if she's even with Jason Perillo anymore. I would assume so, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, just too many question marks there. And like I said, just not a full development in the takedown and, and, and even in the striking department. Um, so yeah, I'll go Angie Hill, unanimous decision, but you know, she's going to have to go all five rounds because Dern is tough. Mm-hmm. In our co-main event, John, in the men's middleweight division, Edmund Shabazian versus Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Shabazian John snapped a three-fight losing streak last time out when he defeated Dal Shan or no Dalsha. Let me let me go for this. Ready? Dalsha Loon Giambula. Nice. You like it? Yeah, it's good. It's <laughs> definitely like seven times better than I would have done off the t- off the cuff. So. He defeated Dalsha Lugiambola by second round TKO. Prior to that win, he had consecutive losses to Derek, three consecutive losses to Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson, and Nazardini Mavov. He came into the UFC with a ton of hype as he was the training partner and managed by Round Rousey. Mm-hmm. Um, he also went four and zero before the Brunson fight in the UFC. Five and zero if you include his include his contender series win. He's recently Recently moved camps and now trains with Extreme Couture with Eric Nixick. Um, and that seemed to pay off in his last win. Um, but can he recreate it here against a super tough opponent? Anthony Fluffy Hernandez is yeah. coming in. <laughs> the old Fluffy boy. He's coming in on a three-fight win streak. Sorry, I missed, missed my... He was like the first guy that we like rode with the nickname. I was like, you know what? Yeah, Fluffy, (laughs) you're our boy now. His last win was an arm triangle victory over Marc-Andre Berriol back in September. Fluffy is also the former LFA middleweight champion where he beat the current UFC number 13 middleweight Brendan Allen to win Mm -hmm. that title. Um, And maybe with a win, we could see those guys run it back in the UFC. Um, But even if not Allen, I do think top 15 opposition is on the cards for Fluffy with a win. Um, But does he get it done is the question against a potentially reinvented Edmund Shabazian. John, what are your thoughts? Man, I feel like I haven't seen these guys fight in like forever. And I know it has been since last year. Yeah. But it just, there's been so much fighting since then that you almost forget. Um, um, you know, when I when I look at these two I, and I think about them, the very first performances that come to my head is Shabajian with Hermanson, where he sure. just really struggled to get off of his back. Yeah. And for Fluffy is obviously submitting Hadolfo. Yeah, I mean that was a that was like it's a big. that was when we started thinking about oh MMA jujitsu is just it's different. different. Yeah, um, and I and I think you know he's riding two subs out of his last three. I really like Fluffy because I, I do think he can hold him on his back. Mm-hmm. And I think if he does that, he's more, obviously we've seen he's more than capable of getting a submission. Yeah. Shabazian, we just need to see that carry over. Extreme Couture has been having a lot of good luck, especially yeah. at middleweight with Curtis and Strickland and Vittoria sure. and whoever else. I mean, they, yeah. got, they got half of the roster at middleweight Yeah, they there. really do. Um, so he's getting good feeds there, but I just don't know if there's anybody who's at the same level and skill set as Fluffy. And I think that, you know. I mean, I think like a Sean Strickland, Chris Curtis are. I, I, I guess I'm saying with the grappling but side But, yeah, of it's like where, yeah, where the skills – I mean, I guess I don't know how I many of you know, Mar- Marvin Vittori is a pretty good grappler. You yeah. Know, I don't know how much rounds he's getting with a lot of these yeah. guys. But, yes, yeah, so I see what you're saying. Um, and Fluffy, he, I mean, he lands at a high clip. 
he has good takedown accuracy, and then he, he gets for subs, man. I just feel like he has a really good skill set to negate what Shabazian is going to want to do, sure. which is stick and move and stay away. Yeah. So I'm going to take Fluffy here. I will say third-round sub. Yeah, I mean, you know, I almost feel bad for uh, Shabazzian, mm-hmm. who, as I mentioned, you know, he came in with so much hype, having trained with Ronda Rousey since he was like 12 years old. So I think by the time he got to the UFC and he rattled off those four straight wins, you know, maybe as a fan, me and a lot of other people, I think I could include other people, and I, I would assume so, kind of looked at him as like this finished product when he was only mm-hmm. 20, 21 years old, right? Because there wasn't a lot of examples of guys like him. You know, he was kind of like early in that, like super young guys other than like a John Jones. But, you know, when you look at John Jones, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe he is just going to be the GOAT right now. You know what right. I mean? Um, and I thought he was kind of destined to be a future champion or at least title contender, and, and that wasn't fair, and it definitely wasn't the case. Now, I do think he's done a great job separating himself from that camp, not saying that there was anything wrong with that mm-hmm. camp but I think just getting a fresh and, and reinventing himself as I mentioned and getting uh, just kind of a fresh start under c- Extreme Couture um, and it did seem to pay off last time out right we got a big win there but my problem is is his last opponent uh, Loon Gambola you know is no longer in the promotion because he won just two of his seven UFC bouts and Shabazian extended what was a four fight losing streak for him in that run right there uh, right before he got cut for the promotion well, he was on a three fight, but Shabazian made it four straight losses oh, for yeah, Lungan yeah, yeah. Bamble. Yeah, Lungan Gamble like lost four straight and then got mm. Shabazian was the fourth straight. And it's probably a more uh, justifiable look at where he was at in the division. Yeah, for sure. Because the three yeah, guys he no. lost to are, we're talking about yeah. Derek Brunson, yeah. you know, Hermanson and Imavov, who's all ranked guys. And, and, and you know, and Shabazian did against Loon Gambola exactly what he should do against opposition of that caliber, but death taxes and fluffy gonna bang bro you (laughs) know what i mean like fluffy hernandez like wavy davy grant as john mentioned is a legend on this podcast Mm -hmm. um and there may come a time where i fade fluffy hernandez but it just ain't gonna be here son you know what i mean not in Um, the year of the lord 2023 (laughs) yeah exactly uh you know fluffy is uh genuinely top 15 quality in my opinion super tough extremely durable he's got a motor that never stops and a gas tank to back it up um he he isn't exceptionally great every anywhere, I mean, but he's really good everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was one area that he excels at, it is in the ground, the grappling, as John mentioned, submitting a black belt and ADCC champion like Adolfo Vieira, even in MMA. In MMA <laughs> Read how many times no you see joke. submission on his Yeah, record. I mean, he's just littered with submission <laughs> vic- finishes. He has a nasty arm and guillotine. Mm-hmm. That's the one you got to look out for. Now, Shabazzian has definitely faced tougher, op- tougher opposition, as John mentioned. How much does that experience play into this? I don't know, um, but I will usually always put the house on guys like Fluffy who just win. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to figure it out in the fight and I'm just going to win. Um, and, and he's willing to do it by any means necessary. Um, no one has ever submitted Shabazian. If there was somewhere, someone to get that done, I would put all my money on Fluffy to figure mm-hmm. that out and give him his first submission loss. Um, but my preferred pick here, I think, would be Anthony Hernandez by unanimous decision. Wouldn't be surprised by the submission finish again because I do think Fluffy does excel there if anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, man, this is just such a tough fight for Shabazian. Yeah, and, and if Shabazian can, can – turn it around yeah. and show us wrong then that just shows how big that camp i yeah and i think like you mentioned the hermanson fight and maybe that was a little bit um in my mind as well as like i feel like hernandez could beat jack hermanson yeah at his best right now you know what i mean and it's like and i know sometimes that's not you know trying to do mma math isn't the yeah. best like 
you know, way of, of figuring it out. But yeah, I mean, I just think Fluffy is just tough, man, and just so well-rounded. But we'll see, man. I, I, I think it genuinely just depends how much are you buying into the new camp move you know mm-hmm. do, do you look at loon gambola and think like oh lower opposition or are you looking at the loon gambola fight thinking like oh shabazian is leveled up maybe both are right i don't know but we'll find out yeah. but i just and how often do you see guys un you know sitting here unranked with records like this 12 right. and 3 10 and 2 like oh yeah i mean top that's what i said top 15 and, and probably for shabazian too yeah. just because of who he is you know top 15 probably definitely on the line at least top 15 opposition so um also on this card john andre fialio versus joaquin buckley uh yes please love yeah. that fight and then uh, another one i wanted to shout out is diego fedeta versus michael johnson another fight that should just be fun you know michael johnson just mm-hmm. just a banger man i love love this card great fights um, John, with that, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Uh, going on the news. Uh, uh. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. <laughs> All right. Well, hold on. I'm about to bleep Brandon's name out of that. Oh, yeah. He's true. got like two more episodes that he misses, and his name's going to get bleeped out of that. I was going to say Miley. Yeah, no, it's just going to be like, punch you and bleep, we give you a bruise. The news. Yeah. <laughs> Sad days, man. Um, Dana's officially announcing the UFC 290 International Fight Week card. A lot of the fights that we've already known about um, Volkanovski, Ayer, uh, Moreno, Pantoja, Whitaker, Duplessis, Turner, Hooker, Bo Nickel, Treshawn Gore. Um, he did announce that Robbie Lawler's fight will be his last. He'll be retiring after his fight with Nico Price. Which is funny because when we remember a couple weeks ago when they announced all these fights and we were like, you know what, we're going to rank them. Uh, I think it was like three weeks ago, maybe yeah. four weeks ago or three weeks ago. You can go back and listen. Um, and I think we ranked that one almost last, but I did say if, if it comes out that Robbie Lawler, this is his last fight. Cause I kind of had that sneaking suspicion. Yeah. I was like, it probably would move this fight up a little bit for me. Cause it would put, you know, a little bit, mm-hmm. something a little bit more on that fight. So it is funny to hear him come out and kind of officially say it is his last one. Right. And some of those fights might've already been canceled or rebooked for something different been, at this yeah. point. Cause it happened so much, sure. but, um, also, so on that card, on the undercard, you had Sean Brady and Matt Della, and then there was then Dana said that Figueredo and Manel Cop was still happening, mm-hmm. and we'd all Jack Della, yeah, Jack Della, Jack Della, Madeline. Um, and but we'd heard that Figgy was not fighting Manel Cop from yeah. him, and then Dana said it yeah. was, and then. Figgy says to another reporter that he's not, so now it's not, but then it might. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just weird. it's just this weird thing of of a miscommunication here. Um yeah. and it, and once again, I couldn't imagine the roller coaster male cops going on right now of like, oh it's not, oh it is, oh it's but, not. But didn't Dana just come out today and say the fight's not happening right. and Figueredo is moving back up to one thirty five. Right. So isn't that like then that yeah, thing, yeah. so it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So it's it's weird the amount of information Dana got within like three days. Yeah. Yeah, because that that had come out that the fight wasn't gonna happen and then he came out and said it was, or Dana came out and said it was happening. And then yeah, Figgy and, was like, "No, it's not." And then now Dana's like, "Oh yeah, it's not." And Figgy's moving up to one thirty-five. So it's like, whatever, which, dude. <laughs> which we thought was supposed to happen before yeah, all that, this even got. That so was the original plan. You could have booked so Manel Cop with somebody else and not played with this whole situation, but instead yeah. we're here. So weird. Um, so that's that's for and UFC. Again, cannot feel worse for a guy than Manel Cop, yeah. who has just had problem after problem and having fights actually go through. And now you got guys who are already booked that yeah. could have been way better fights for him to try to work his yeah. way up. Yeah. Um, also, so then we also learned Gilbert Burns, after his dog fight against Bilal Muhammad, recently su- or reportedly suffered in the fight a torn left AC joint, second yeah. or third grade, a torn left deltoid 
a, a torn left trap muscle and a sprained neck. Yeah. Crazy. All in that fight. And despite all of that, Burns actually reported he doesn't need surgery. Yeah. And it'll be a two, three months worth of recovery. But jeez, yeah. man. Yeah, it's a lot, man. A lot of injury there. Saw Bilal, I saw an interview Bilal Muhammad did with John Morgan this, I think it was this week or this past week. And again, man, like we said last week, didn't want to go into detail about his foot injury. Just kind of said it was something that he had to overcome. Um, don't really know the extent of that. Obviously, he posted a picture of his foot mm-hmm. the day after, two days after. It was like, looked like a coffee can. I mean, it was so swollen. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, again, just. Two absolute warriors. I mean, just shout out to Gilbert Burns. I mean, could not imagine. Like I said, we don't know the exact extent of Bilal's injury, so I can't comment on that. But we do know now what Gilbert went through to get through that fight. His and whole like left crazy. arm and shoulder is like disintegrated. At such this a point. warrior, man. Just such a warrior. Yeah, I just and you know, love Gilbert Burns. And, and we're, we're we're happy that these are the type of guys that make the money that they do, being high caliber. Yeah. to be able to survive something sure. like this, because. You know, who knows how long Bilal's out with that ankle because he's not going to want to go for a title with a bad ankle. No. Yeah, you'd hope not. I'd so, hope not. <laughs> uh, PFL has been notified by the Nevada State Com- Athletic Commission that several fighters who competed in the PFL 2023 regular season event yeah. this past April have been temporarily suspended until further review by the commission. Uh, PFL basically made a statement saying they have a zero tolerance policy against banned substances. They'll comply with the commission. Further, they're going to move toward uh, the highest level of testing and compliance in the sport, sure. engaging with USADA about implementing all that. Um, PFL's light heavyweight season was gutted by suspension. Yeah. Four of the season's 10 fighters Sucks, have been suspended. Yeah. Tiago Santos, Will Fury, Flurry, um, Flurry, yep. Christoph Jotko? Christoph Jotko, yeah. Um, two former UFC guys there in Tiago Santos and Christoph Jotko. Right, and uh, Mohamed Fakhradin. Yeah. Fakhradin. Either way, that's I mean that's half of the almost half of the tournament for them. Yeah, uh, three of the season's tens heavyweight were also suspended. Bruno Capaloza, uh, Capaloza, who was a champ two years ago for them. Um, uh, Rivian Kunav and Caesar Figuera. Mm-hmm. Uh, addition to those seven sources told them that there's also some flyweights that got suspended. Yeah, it's bad, man. Now you know whole cards are getting changed. Yeah. Um, their champion Rob Wilkinson was supposed to fight Flurry, and now he's out. Um, Santos and the guy he was supposed to fight both out. So yeah, they got a lot of covering up to do and a lot of things to fix. It sounds like it's tough, man. Yeah, that's it. And especially for like the format of Bellator when it is more like a, a unique format where it is seasons and you're, you know, you got playoffs and points and different things. It, it sucks, man, to lose like dang near half your light heavyweights. But you know, for the guys that were in there doing it cleanly and fairly congrats to them. Cause it's probably going to give a lot of those guys automatic biddings into mm-hmm. that you know playoff position to go on and, and try to fight for the title yeah, so cause some of these guys already had a couple points in and some wins and stuff um, yeah and you know like something like it's funny because like privately i told you and brain and i guess i i'll say it here because this has come out now mm-hmm. um but i think i i privately had told you and brandon is one thing it is interesting when you see some of these guys in pfl more specifically and you go back and you watch maybe some of their fights before they were in the pfl you do see a big difference in some of their bodies right and Mm -hmm. uh so it it was kind of interesting to hear this because i believe i just kind of told you guys this a couple weeks ago like not too long ago i'm like man you see some of these guys and it's like boy they're like shredded out of their minds now and you know you go back and watch their fights before pfl and it's like Mm -hmm. oh wow so it is like really crazy that i just told you guys that um and and then this kind of came out 
the timing of it's really odd, but it does suck for PFL who fantastic product. I, I mm-hmm. really enjoy watching the PFL. I really enjoy that they, you know, they don't try to be an imitation of anything. They're like, this is what we are and they stick to it and it's fun. It's, it's just a different way to absorb Fighters MMA. It. Yeah. It's a different way to absorb MMA. It gives guys great opportunity, guys and girls, great opportunities to win a million dollars on top mm-hmm. of a championship. So sucks for the PFL. It's really unfortunate to hear, especially some of those names, right. That are wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, for the guys and girls that were doing it the right way, like I said, it just makes it one step closer for them, you know, to to get to get to that title and get that million dollars. So yeah, and as a promotion that has to balance, you know, viewers with some other really big promotions, sure. this kid, I mean, they're gonna have to really, yeah. you know, do a big um, make a big example out of this because you don't yeah. want to become known as the league of cheaters. You no, know? yeah, well, I like that they're trying to nip it. In the yeah, butt. you know, they're they're wanting. To, to, to get to weed these guys these fighters out you know mm-hmm. and that's the way it should be so credit to the pfl and i like i said i'm glad that that they were able to kind of sort through it so mm-hmm. uh bellator 296 happened mm-hmm. and uh, we got some pretty good results from that douglas lima wins his return fight to middleweight yeah hasn't fought at middleweight since a decision lost to gegard musasi for the title yep. he gets a decision <clears throat> win over costello van Steenis. yep um. Yeah. Co-main event. You had Brent Primus getting a decision win over Monsour Barnoni. Monsour Barnawi. Bar- you got, I don't have the accent. <laughs> uh, he submitted his place in the semifinals of the lightweight Grand Prix and gets a chance to fight for the title as he now fights current lightweight champion Usman Nurmagomedov in said Grand Prix yeah. semifinal fight. Yeah. This was a big fight, man. So obviously, um, Monsour Barnawi was from Paris or from France where, mm-hmm. you know, this fight happened in Paris. So he was a hometown guy, crazy weird fight, man. I mean, mm-hmm. just both guys, you know, Barnawi came out and just emptied the tank. I mean, really both guys emptied the tank in round one where you're like, man, I just don't know who, <laughs> how these guys are going to go. There's no way these guys make it three rounds and it goes three rounds, but it was there for both guys to win, you know, premise, just able to kind of grind that out a little bit more, a big win for him. And yeah, I mean, crazy, like I said, here in the semifinals, you know, not only can he go to the finals to win the million dollars, but could become the, uh, Bellator lightweight champion with a win here against, uh, Usman Nurmagomedov. So that's, um, I, and I love the grand prix. It's so fun. It it makes it so much funner. It gives guys way more chances. Yeah. Um, and just like PFL, it's a different product, but man, just love it. Yeah. And in the main event, we had Fabian Edwards defeating Gegard Mousasi by decision, <laughs> earning him a shot at current middleweight champion Johnny Eblen in September in Dublin. Yeah. Uh, Edwards is the brother of current UFC welterweight Leon Edwards. Two, you know, the Edwards brothers could both be champions this year. What a story that would be. Again, a great performance by Fabian Edwards here. Really just outclassed and outstruck Gegard Mousasi. And I felt like, man, I feel like if you're Gegard, you go back and kind of maybe kick yourself a little bit because there was so many opportunities. I mean, he, I think only once in the fight attempted to really get the fight to the ground where I think most people felt he held the clear advantage, obviously. Um, and I think that was in the second round. He even got him, got Fabian Edwards down, moved into Mount pretty easily, but Edwards was able to work his way back up. And then at the end of the second round, Actually got Gegard down right at the end. And then in the third round, Fabian Edwards comes down. Really solid takedown. Gets Gegard down and then controlled him almost the whole round with back mount. Showing levels to his game that, you know, he hasn't really shown off before. Shows there's a development there. 
Which doesn't shock me because I feel like we're seeing huge gains in Leon as well. Yeah, that's um, what I was about to say. I imagine they trained together exclusively. Oh, 100%. So. I mean, Leon was in his corner. Um, but, man, if the Edwards brothers both end up with gold this year, I mean, you would put them right up at the top in terms of, you know, they wouldn't be enough to pass the Patri- you know, the Pitbull brothers or anything, but in terms of like brothers that have fought in MMA, they would be right up there. Yeah, and know? probably up there with the uh, greatest years for a family. I mean, yeah, geez. I mean it would yeah, it'd be crazy. So I I'm excited to see what happens in September. Obviously Leon has to retain against Colby. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if uh, Fabian can get it done mm-hmm. there. Now Johnny Elblin is tough. He's not Eb- gonna not wrestle. Eblin is a nightmare <laughs> matchup for Fabian Edwards, but Dude, Fabian is a dog, and he is so good on the field. Yeah, and so good. People thought Usman was going to be a nightmare too. Good point. You know, it'll be interesting to see how this. uh, I agree. Works out. I agree, hundred percent. We got some fight announcements. Number three, Holly Holm headlines fight night in July as she faces number ten, Marina Bueno Silva. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, good chance for Holly to try to stay in there. I think I I feel like she's trying to ride out for Amanda getting out so she can have a better claim at getting to back to the title. Yeah. But maybe we're here. Number three, number 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number eight, Armand Sarukian fights unranked Joaquin Silva, who's 12 and three, but three and three in the UFC coming off a TKO win. Yeah, I don't get this at all. No. I just I, I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't know. You know, what's I, frustrating. We we wanted so bad for them to give lower ranked people one of these top five guys, yeah. top ten guys, because they kept on recycling these guys against the top five, and it's like they heard us yeah. and was like, yeah, but we're gonna do it in a way you hate it. And I don't know if like Sarugi, if nobody just wants to fight Sarugi, I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe this was like a Sean Strickland with a boost that a boost situation mm-hmm. where it's like. You can sit and wait for somebody, or you can take this guy. I don't know. Dude, Demir said he'd come out of retirement if he'd get one more fight at Sarukian, and who wouldn't want to sign up for that? Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you just do that? And that's a headline. Nobody's saying no to Demir Ismagulov versus Armand Sarukian. Uh, And then we have number five, Tom Aspinall, returning from injury after his loss to Curtis Blades to face number 10, Marcin Tabiera, in July in London. Aspinall, Tommy Aspinall, Mm -mm. la-da-da-da-da-da-da, yeah. In London, come yeah. on, man. Yeah, that's is that July twenty sixth uh, or twenty fifth? Twenty something. I didn't yeah. get the actual. I didn't. I just saw July twenty oh, second. No, I think it's yeah. the day after my birthday, actually. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's. I'm really excited to see Tom. Santa Beer is tough, man. It is, man, and I'm really interested to see what Tom Aspinall looks like post big injury. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, this is a nasty, just a nasty, nasty injury. Um, one that's really tough you know, to come back from. So I'm really interested to see how Aspinall looks in there. Mm-hmm. And then um, we also have Francis coming out with a video and an yeah. announcement on Twitter saying he has an announcement to make on Tuesday, the 16th. Obviously this will come out before then, but we wanted to give sure. you guys the heads up to look out for that. Hopefully he's worked something out with a promotion where we can see him back in a ring or a cage or something. But I feel like what's your best bet. Is it boxing or is it MMA? I'm going, I would put most of my money on boxing i think it's boxing because i feel like you've these other promotions have they've already known him yeah like hasn't pfl been like yeah no thanks and then didn't well i don't think pfl's fully came out and said no i know one has in bellator, bellator yeah. well bellator coker basically said money could be used better but unless they're willing to th- unless pfl's like willing to throw a like crazy money which it does seem like you know jake paul you know is involved in pfl right. yeah he he's had some very friendly things to say about francis so unless pfl is just willing to throw some crazy money on 
like a one-off fight. Right. Well, and they're the only promotion that has the availability for him to do boxing in it because they want to do this right. super fight thing and yeah. they were going to let Jake Paul do one boxing, one MMA sure. type of thing. One does, you know, Muay Thai yeah. and MMA. Bellator just does MMA. Sometimes they did, I think they used to do grappling stuff every now and then, but I don't yeah. think they've done that in a long time. And obviously UFC just does MMA. So, I think he wants to box. So I yeah, I think I think you could see somebody like a Dillion White or something in, yeah. in boxing who, you know, recently lost a title shot, probably could use a payday. That's my bet. I, I think it's boxing. But now one thing that has happened to us with this is people will say they have announcements be like, Now I'm sponsored by, you know, Shout. Prime energy. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully it's not that because we I really want to see Francis get back to it, man. Yeah, I, mean, I think it'll be a fight. I think I think it's going to be a fight announcement. I I, I agree. I, I kind of lean boxing. So right. look out for that on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Okay, and the last thing I want to I want to talk to you about. Sure. Uh, one thing that we've always done is drum. You know, tuning into fight nights and to catch up on all these guys, the up and comers and the sleepers. But there's been some conversation happening around the UFC might be too saturated, possibly pushing quality over quantity, whether it be lackluster booking on fight sure. nights or even pay per views. Um, and the summer is booked, so we get an idea of like what we got to look forward to, and uh, I just want to get your opinion on what we have coming up. So obviously we have Dern and Hill, uh, Kai Car France and Albazi, Nunez and Aldana, Vittoria and Cannoneer, Josh Emmett, Tapiria, Strickland and Magomedov, like you'd said, uh, against Abus, Volkanovsky, Rodriguez, Home, Buna Silva, and then Aspinall, Tibera. Right. And so I want to know is, do you think the UFC has a problem with quality over quantity? So what John's referencing there is a graphic had come out and it kind of circulated through MMA Twitter, so to speak, this yeah. week. But um, kind of laying out those all those fights that he just said are main events that are happening pretty much over the summer, yeah. the next month, month and a half. Until two, July. Through July, till July, yep. And, you know, a lot of it kind of created this discussion this week of, you know, is there quality you know is there too much ufc could we afford to peel back like do we need some of these you know these aren't the strongest main events correct and mm -hmm. and, and i and here's where i land man I, I this is so tough for me um because i definitely do see both sides of this argument um but i also think for me when it comes down to it regardless of how a card looks on paper i just think if you're an mma fan you're gonna watch Regardless, and mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Kind of like we saw, you know, today with um, this, you know, this Charlotte card, right? You know, not like the biggest blockbuster fights, but it was a fantastic card, and it delivered, and it was fun, and it was great fights. Um, and I kind of just think where I stand is more, you know, where I kind of yeah, where I kind of stand is more like fight nights equal more opportunities for fighters to get on UFC cards, right? Mm -hmm. So seeing people's dreams kind of come true in that way to me is more important than big names on a card. Um, now I do think um, you know we could maybe do one less fight night a month, right? Like mm -hmm. if we had to peel it back a little bit, I think maybe just one more a month because even like a lot of those fight, you know these these main events that you just rambled through. They'd be a great card, right? Like right. if you just put them all on one fight night. Um, but, um, you know, like I said, that's just kind of more where I lean on that is I think the more opportunity you create, it allows other fighters to live out their dream and, and get on a UFC and get an opportunity. Now, again, I do see where people who think less is more have a valid argument as well. Um, but for me, you know, what I more wonder, and I think I even said this to you and Brandon this week is, 
is this more of a case where there's just more UFC fans than mixed martial arts fans? Mm-hmm. And kind of what I mean by this is, are there just more people who just like the pageantry of a big UFC pay-per-view with big stars and names on the card, which is another thing that was called into question this week is kind of the lack of stars in the UFC, maybe because the product is becoming so diluted. Again, I understand that that argument as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, obviously, you know, people that maybe like those pageantry or those big cards, big names, they do like watching the fighting to a degree, 100%. Um, but I would argue you don't necessarily have to be the biggest MMA fan to enjoy watching the UFC mm-hmm. because I think there is I think if you're just an MMA fan you'll just watch whatever right um, and there is nothing wrong with being either type of fan you know if you right. are just if you want to watch everything great if you're somebody that like hey I just kind of want to watch the biggest fights with the biggest name um, but like I said I would argue you don't have to be a big MMA fan to watch the UFC or to mm-hmm. enjoy watching the UFC Excuse me, and there is nothing wrong, like I said, with being either type. However, um, if if you enjoy watching it, just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you feel weird watching, uh, it, or I said, and I mean, I'm, don't feel weird watching everything. If you're somebody that like, hey, I want to see the number ten ranked versus the number thirteen ranked featherweight mm-hmm. on a or a flyweight on a card or whatever just enjoy it and likewise don't feel weird if you jo- if you only enjoy the big fights that's mm-hmm. fine too different strokes for different folks right but also don't allow the majority or even big names in MMA media make you feel weird for liking a fight night card that maybe doesn't have the biggest names on it that's all mm-hmm. I feel like don't feel weird for being however you MMA fandom MMA fandom or UFC fandom whatever it is but that's kind of where I wonder is like I wonder if this is more of a case of just a lack and again because I I don't want this to come across as like I'm insulting people that aren't like super in tune with who Jalen Almeida is or Jarzinho Rosenstruck that's not it at all but also I think if you really know how good Jalen Almeida is coming into a fight like this you're maybe a little bit more excited for it Mm -hmm. again there's nothing wrong if you don't but you know you know what I'm saying like I just wonder more if it's just a lack of like deep mixed martial arts fandom is compared to like, I just want to see the biggest, bettest names that are household names that are on ESPN and, you know, different mm-hmm. things like that. Well, and we talked about that with the one FC stuff, cause them sure. coming to America, that crowd loved everything and yeah. they probably didn't know who half those people were. If they or did, they, did. they just, only knew those yeah, guys. There's a ton of MMA you know. fans, you know, but you know, this is what made it tough is we, we preface this and then a card like tonight happens yeah. or Saturday night happens for what you guys listening on Monday to where it's like, you know, earlier in the year and even in the last year, like I said, when I talked about it, we were banging that drum. Yeah. Watch these fight nights. You're sure. going to see the up and coming guys. But I think we ran into, and it was a little bit more past than more recent of, you know, main events getting shaved around and guys getting hurt and last minute replacements. Yeah. Apex fights. Um, yeah. You know, badly booked. Like, I mean, we just said our monster is fighting an, an unranked guy. We have Strickland yeah. fighting an unranked guy. Granted, there's some, you know, parody to that if that, if it goes white, sure. but if Sean Strickland runs through this guy, it's like, what were we doing here? Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it too is, and then like, I, I don't know, maybe I would feel better about it if there was like, if these were three o'clock fight nights sure. instead of, you know, I'm staying up till, you know, 10, 11 for a fight that really doesn't mean anything in a sure. division. Cause I mean, I'm still wanting to watch, but that's taking up my night. Um, so if, if we could move them earlier, if you could give these all to cities who've just been dying to have fight fans instead of going to the apex, which they said they were getting away from, but somehow we still end up back there every, you know, two, three weeks. Yeah. 
So I think that's something that could happen with it. Well, the Apex, yeah, and, and Apex fights are so tough, man, because even like the Charlotte one tonight, it's like, you know, even if maybe you don't see it as the strongest card, I think having that crowd or that energy behind it makes it more enjoyable, more watchable. Um, but yeah, I would agree the Apex fights do make it tough. I also think injuries make things tough, you know, mm-hmm. when you're already stretching your roster so thin because you're trying to fill out as many dates as possible. When fighters fall off, there's not a lot of people that can jump in and fill them in, which, mm-hmm. again, now you have, like, Mackenzie Dern versus Angela Hill, which was supposed to be, like, early on the main card of this UFC yeah, Charlotte. The third is, fight. It, like, the third or fourth fight is now the main event mm-hmm. because you have nothing else to push into that spot. So that's where I, I do understand the argument of people are like, dude, it's just too much yeah. because it does thin out cards when you're limited because you're stretching your roster so thin week to week, month to month, all that. Um, so I, I do completely understand. And we've even talked about like how you just said, you know, sometimes it feels like they're not fighting for much as, you know, we were just talking about is a lot of times we've even considered like, do we focus more on a Bellator fight where, yeah, maybe people like most people aren't going to know who these two fighters are, but the winner a la Monster Bonoui or Brent Primus are going to fight. If they win this fight, they're going to fight the champion next and could potentially in the semifinals of this Grand Prix become the lightweight champion. And then a millionaire down there. And then a millionaire if they win their next fight. You know, like there is more on the table there. Mm -hmm. So like we've even kind of kicked that around. Like do we focus on Angela Hill and McKenzie during fight night or do we, should we put a little bit more emphasis on these kind of cards, you know, uh, because we are a mix. We're not a UFC podcast right Right. you even said that like we are a mixed martial arts podcast and you know so maybe we do need to branch out and focus a little bit more try to give a little maybe not give as much attention to some of these like quote-unquote weaker cards on paper um but again like i it is so tough because i do enjoy seeing fighters get to make ufc debuts and live out their dreams Mm -hmm. and and the more opportunities, I'm never going to complain about more fighting, right? But I'm also a mixed martial arts fan. And, and, right. and again, I'm not, I don't want this to come across as like mightier than thou type thing. Like if you're just a UFC fan, and like I said, you just want to see big names. That's so awesome. Like I'm, I'm fine. Totally mm-hmm. understand that. But being a mixed martial arts fan, like I was going to like cage rage fights here locally right. when I was like 13, 12, 13 years old. Like there's always fights to watch. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So Again, I wouldn't complain about it, but yeah, that I, I do that's where I kind of do see both sides of and it. And the and the last thing I have for it is I think some of it is the way that they format these cards too yeah. as, as a pay-per-view because we've had some where it's like, what is this guy doing on the prelim? Sure. What is this guy doing on the main and, card? And Dana has admitted, you know, like, oh, that's kind of, I mean, we had it recently with card. Brandon Roy Val who, yeah. you know, is close well, to a title shot. And even looking at this Figueredo situation, you have to wonder a little bit like, is the fact that they didn't know Figueredo wasn't fighting, is that just a like too much going on at once to really know yeah. what's going on? You know what I'm saying? Well, and, I, and the other thing I'll have to add to it is they've upped the price of the pay-per-view so much that yeah. they need to be making these more worth yeah. it. But then, you know, when we do get something for free because we're paying so much for the pay-per-view, it would be nice if they were a little bit more stacked so it didn't feel like, oh, well, I definitely got to make sure I'm watching this because I'm paying, you know, 80-some-odd dollars for it. Yeah. And they're, that's where they're trying to put the names in these free cards. They're not always giving you 
you know, a na- even just a, even a ranked opponent sometimes. Yeah. So no, I agree. And and again, that's a product of too many fights because they're stretching their roster so thin, and they're trying to make the fight nights as you know meaningful as mm-hmm. possible. You know, one thing I was thinking today because you know we kind of talked about that we were going to talk about this because it was kind of a hot button issue this week, mm-hmm. so to speak. One thing I kind of thought about, do you remember back in the day when, um, and I only know, and you know, for people that maybe don't know, you know, being in Indiana, do you, and, and obviously Indianapolis cards fell into this category a lot. So that's why I remember this so well. But do you remember when the UFC used to do on a big pay-per-view, right? So the big pay-per-view obviously was on Saturdays. On Wednesday, they would do a small fight night. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one time they did one in Indianapolis when they were doing a big Chicago pay-per-view mm-hmm. that Saturday. I almost think like, and they got away from that for a reason, clearly. Um, but I do kind of wonder at times, like, I wonder if like more of like a contender, like where it's not like a UFC fight night, but maybe it's like a UFC contenders thing or something along those lines where like you do it in the lead up to a big pay-per-view where Mm -hmm. like that Wednesday night you can throw some of these like number 10 versus number 13 or you know number 14 versus unranked hype contender you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying and like kind of build some of these people up that way rather than like trying to force the product on this big fight night every Saturday night because you could do those in the apex and it wouldn't feel weird and you have ESPN now right so it's not like Wednesday can't be a slot that you can make work especially with sports not really falling on Wednesdays right because back in that day it was on Spike TV and they're you know trying to compete with other things a thousand ways to die yeah yeah. Yeah. you don't want to take that slot away but no yeah how many Wednesday night fights were you just watching to get to a thousand ways to Right. You know what I mean? Hurry up. <laughs> yeah, but that was just kind of one thing I thought is like I do wonder if they ever mm-hmm. consider exploring that. But yeah, it, it is an interesting conversation. It is an inter- interesting argument. I have a hard time leaning either way just because I do hearing both sides this week. I get what both people are mm-hmm. saying. I just I guess if I had to default in the middle, it's just like yeah, but it does create more opportunity, and you don't hear the fighters complaining about right because so, there's there's more guys getting a chance to fight and, and I more think, times to fight a year to make more money. You know you can you know you can fight multiple times a year, more you know three four times if you really want to because there is so much opportunity. Mm-hmm. So and then obviously as a fan, you know getting as well and and I think it's like a and I and I said this to you when we we're talking and maybe it's a little bit boohoo ish of us. Sure, but here's the thing too is. To you know, to make these good episodes, we need good content. We need good fights, and sometimes yeah. we're getting these cards where it's like we can only really talk about one or two fights because the rest of it kind of just doesn't move. Well, I don't think it's so much boohooish, but there is, and like I think Luke Thomas brought it up as well as, um, you know, there is maybe UFC has this like they they're so like monopolized in the mixed martial arts mm-hmm. industry they don't feel a threat from anybody else, but there is a lot of other good mixed martial arts out there. So that would be the only thing I would encourage is even if you don't want to watch the the UFC product mm-hmm. week to week, go start exploring some of these other promotions. Yeah, we'll try to do a better job of making and sure we people will. know, you know, we'll try. Yeah, we will try. There's just so much yeah. though, man, to cover it every week. But you know, PFL is great. Bellator is great. One is great. Um, Oh my I mean, dude, find your regional cage warriors, cage warriors. Yeah. Find your regional promotion. Even, you know, most regions have like bigger, promotions. you just did uh, some Artists. articles of some people who their champions go right into the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, CFFC, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, art of scrap here in the Midwest, you know, here in Indiana is becoming regionally one of the bigger mixed martial arts promotions here in the whole Midwest right. out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. So 
just go look for other things. You know, you don't have to watch it week to week if you don't want to. But also, again, don't feel weird for watching it. If right. you enjoy watching it, just enjoy it. They so, had it on at Elario's when I was eating lunch. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I could have sat here and watched this. Yeah, don't let people make you feel weird because they're like, oh, this fight's crap. I don't want to watch this car. When's Connor fighting? Yeah, exactly. Those right. are the guys that are telling you that. But Well, John, somehow we said this was going to be the shortest episode of the year. We did say that coming into this privately. We were at an hour 20. Told you, so, dude, the Brandon story set it off, <laughs> The dude. Brandon story set us up for a long one. So appreciate you sticking around if you did stick around for the whole thing, um, especially on a lighter week. Love to hear feedback, too, on this. Yeah, yeah. Let us know, you know, maybe the next kickback uh, episode we can kind of rehash this mm-hmm. a little bit and get more like the the uh, the listenership interaction there in the chat. Um, it's almost midnight, yeah, and it's Mother's Day, and we're tired. I'm tired. I've had a long day. You've got a long day tomorrow. Yeah. I've got a long Pretty day sure tomorrow. Pretty sure your buzz is gone now, though, so you're welcome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can handle a picture. <laughs> you know, I can handle a picture and still do a podcast episode. Don't get it twisted. It's on his bio now. That is. <laughs> Song of the Week is for me, and I'm going because, man, this is just the vibe right now. We're getting there. We're get, It's getting warmer. It's starting to feel like summer. So I'm going Childish Gambino feels like mm. summer. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, it's that time, baby. Yeah. It, we are right here. I'm, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to feel that summer energy, man. Starting to sweat and like it. It's starting to feel good getting up right now, man. Uh, John, what is your one for the people? My one for the people is actually uh, related to the card, North Carolina. I want to tell North Carolina. A quick story. Uh, when me and Nathan were in elementary school, we convinced <laughs> our uh, peers this is going. that me and him uh, both grew up in North Carolina. And lived across the street from P.D. Pablo. I don't know how. Like, and they believed it. Yeah, this was like crazy. But like, people still don't believe that we're not related, so. That is true. I This is like the weird, because it was like. But right, our chemistry started back then, because you jumped in, I jumped yeah. in, and people believed it until like probably a couple years after, and it was like, hey man. No. Yeah. Or maybe we, they just woke up one day and was like, there's no way. Well, so when we were in fifth grade is when that North Carolina, mm-hmm. come on, and the P.D. Pablo song came out, and it was so big. And yeah, for some reason, me and you just decided like we were going to convince mm-hmm. people. Somebody, we were- uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony Smith came out to that. Yeah, he did. And then dropped into Return to the Mac. Yeah, this probably some fire. of the best walkout songs. Yeah, on that fire. Card. That was a fire walkout. But yeah, uh, we convinced a bunch of kids that we were from North Carolina and we knew Petey Pablo. So uh, yeah, I don't know why, man. Fifth graders, what do you say? Yeah, when our movie comes <laughs> out, dude, it's going to be great. Shout out to North Carolina. North Carolina. Why didn't I do it? Oh, there we go. North Carolina. There yeah. it is. North Carolina. Shout out to Jacques Ray. So what's your one for the people? Uh, I don't really have anything, man. Like, Shout out to my mother, obviously. There you go, yeah. Jesus, happy, after midnight, so. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms Love you, out Crystal. there. If you're listening and you're a mom, shout out to you as mm-hmm. well. We will be back next week as we are every Monday, breaking down, recapping, giving picks and predictions, and updating you on all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts. And hey, it's episode 134 next week. Maybe the people will call it something. You know, maybe the yeah. people will give us something. We'll find out then. We'll see if they talk, baby. We'll see if the streets are talking. Maybe North Carolina's talking. You never yeah. know. We'll see you guys next Monday. Peace. Peace.